Creative Babble. I fell for the oldest con in the book. The inheritance scam. Except it wasn't some Nigerian prince emailing me in my spam folder. It was a living, breathing, lovable woman. It's true. Jonathan Walton fell for the oldest trick in the book. But in his defense, he was outwitted by a pro. Marion Smith conned him out of almost $100,000. Until you dealt with someone like this, it's the furthest thing from your mind that doesn't even enter. Right. That's the whole thing. You, they have to disarm you. They have to earn your trust. I mean, this is, and when I say this is classic, this is classic. Oh, no, I know. Well, listen, I'm a con artist expert. I've interviewed hundreds of victims now. Yeah, she did everything by the book. So she gets zero points for originality, but she gets an A for creativity and stealth. This is a question that everybody asks all the time. How could you have fallen for that? Oh, I can explain. I'm not an idiot. Right. I've got a 142 IQ. I've got a bachelor's in broadcast journalism. I was a news reporter for 10 years. I'm a TV producer now. I'm a very smart guy. But that's the thing. Con artists don't outsmart you. They outfeel you. Con artists don't use your intellect to scam you. They use your emotion. They get into your lives. They make you fall in love with them. And I'm a gay man, but I did fall in love with her. She was like a sister to me. By two years into our friendship, we're ending phone calls with, I love you, I love you. Like, you know, ask yourself, what would you do for someone you love, for a best friend, for a daughter, for a lover? What would you do? Anything. Anything. Love is the most powerful weapon there is in, in the world. It could be a weapon. Love is the most powerful force there is in the world. So a con artist gets you, in this case, her, her racket was getting you to like her, getting you to love her getting you to feel obligated to help her because she's helping you. So you don't think any time during your friendship that none of that was genuine? No, that was all an act. She's a brilliant actress. She certainly missed her calling. She could cry at the drop of a freaking hat. And so many times she was crying, convulsing, and I was holding her in my arms. And I believed it. I mean, when a woman's crying in your arms... How do you not believe that? But but that was naive of me because I'd never been conned before. I'd never met someone like Marianne Smith. When was the first time you met her? So I first met Mayor Smith in May of 2013. And she was a new neighbor in my apartment building. I live in a nice apartment, downtown Los Angeles. I'm a reality TV producer. My neighbors are other producers, film editors, some doctors, some lawyers. It's a nice building. And we have this ginormous swimming pool. It's got Olympic swimming lanes, like this glittering oasis in the middle of the concrete jungle that is downtown Los Angeles. And that ginormous swimming pool was about to evaporate. Well, not literally. You see, it was a shared pool with the building next door. And for whatever reason, Jonathan's pool access was going to get revoked. The neighbors were fuming. And the 444 residents of my building, we were mad as hell and we wanted to do something about it. I put up flyers all over our building, missed the pool, won it back. Almost immediately, Jonathan got an email from one of the residents. And one person stood out in particular, and that was a woman named Mayor Smith. 
She told me she was dating this Los Angeles politician who was a partner in a law firm, big time lawyer, and he could get the pool back. Jonathan thought, this is great. We might actually stand a chance at getting the pool back. So they arranged to meet in person. I meet her for the first time. I'm waiting outside the pool. I see a figure limping over in the distance, like hobbling. And as she gets closer and closer, I ask myself, is that Mayor Smith? And sure enough, it was. It was a woman. She was wearing white surgical stockings and she was limping. And as she got closer and she introduced herself, I heard like a a strange accent. It wasn't all American. It was partially American, but definitely mixed with something else. I commented, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you you in pain? It looked like she had something like surgical stockings, like she must have just had surgery. And she said, oh, yes, I just had, I have lupus and I just had surgery. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you're going to get better soon. I hope everything's fine. She's like, yes, yes, it'll be fine. But turns out it wasn't lupus. She had had liposuction. She had a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. Immediately, I felt sorry for her. I felt like I wanted to help her or be there for her, even though she's a stranger. Looking back, I realized the con had started from then, from our first meeting. You ultimately became her mark. But do you think that she had planned it all out from that very moment? Absolutely. Listen, everyone is her mark. I have a PhD in this bitch, and I've been studying her for the past three years. And everyone she ever met was a mark. Every guy she ever dated, every friend she ever made, every employer she ever worked for, everyone was a mark. She's a sociopath. She has no feeling for anyone except how can she use them to get money. Typically on this show, there's a big twist, an aha moment, but not today. This is the story of Mayor Smith, also known as Marianne Smith, or Marianne Andel, or Marianne Welsh. She has 23 known aliases. The way Jonathan describes her, Marianne Smith is a gifted con artist who brilliantly juggles lies with ease. Her scams were bold and without shame. Each lie gracefully circled in the air, passing through her hands without ever getting caught. But when she decided to rip off Jonathan Walton, well, her act was about to be over. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps 
thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. After Jonathan posted the flyer about saving the pool, he had a huge response from the neighbors. So he decided to arrange a community meeting to galvanize other residents to join the fight. So two weeks later, there's a meeting in my living room and about 30 or 40 residents show up for the meeting. And Mayor Smith arrives. But she didn't appear like the same woman he had met by the pool. That Mayor Smith seemed sick and frail. And by then, the surgical stockings were gone. She's dressed to the nines in like a designer dress. And she's got Jimmy Choo's like $1,200 a pair. And she looks sophisticated. And she quickly takes control of the meeting. She tells the crowd she can get the pool back. Her boyfriend's a lawyer and a politician. He's got a lot of pull. And she can get the pool back by the summer. And by the end of the meeting, we're all cheering. We love her. And I love her. And she's funny and she's charismatic and she says a lot of off-the-cuff sex jokes. Have you ever heard of the introverted con artists? That's because they're not very good. A good con artist knows how to work a room, but a great con artist is giving and generous. Con artists love to insert themselves in situations where they can, quote, help people. They want to come off as the nicest, most benevolent, most generous people and they want to help. They just want to help. So how could you not love someone who wants to help you? It turns out that Jonathan wasn't her only victim that night. Ironically, she would end up scamming me and two other neighbors who were there that night from the meeting. Looking back, everyone at that meeting was a mark. And this was her in the same way that salesmen for those like Ginsu knives like to come to your house and demonstrate how great their knives are to get your money. This was her Ginsu knife demonstration. This was her making the crowd love her and her quickly assessing in her mind, all right, who can I scam here? Clearly, this was where the con began. But at that moment, Jonathan was smitten by his new friend. After that initial meeting, she wanted to hang out with me. She wanted to take my husband and I out to dinner. So she took us to this fancy Los Angeles restaurant because each plate's like 40, 50 bucks, but then each drink is like 20 something dollars. So by the end of the night, the bill comes, and I, I reach for my wallet, but she insists, no, 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 I have a lot of money, this is on me, you guys are amazing. She wines and dines, my husband and I, over the course of the following 10 months, she's always paying. And I was so you know, impressed, I'm like, wow. 10 months. Jonathan Walton says that Mayor Smith was planning a long con. She has this strange accent because she's from the Republic of Ireland. Here's a video of Mayor Smith doing an ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. Thank you so much for nominating me for this ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. If I could give it back to you, I truly would. Since I can't, here's who I'm nominating to double dog dare the Ice Bucket Challenge for ALS Charity. Her family in Ireland are very wealthy. And in her apartment, she has a framed picture of the Irish Constitution that she points out, look, look, this is my great uncle. He's a signer. He's a signatory on the Irish Constitution. We knew she was a wealthy woman. 
As our relationship progresses, I tell her I'm gay and half my family disowned me for being gay. She told me her family had cast her out too. And her family, they, her, her great uncle died, leaving his estate of 25 million euros. And she was supposed to get 5 million euros in this inheritance, but her cousins, her evil cousins were trying to get her disinherited. They didn't want her to get any money because she, she was the black sheep of the family. Oh, but she had evidence. She would show me text messages from her evil cousin, Finton. And Finton is such a, such an Irish name, right? Finton. Do you know any Fintons? I sure as hell don't. I have no, but, <laughs> no Fintons in my well, life. Let me ask you this. When somebody holds up their phone and says, look what this guy just texted to me. Do you for one second think, is that an online identity you created with a Google phone number to text yourself to try to sell me a story? No. So Fenton would text her, you'll never get a bloody farthing, you fucking cunt. Called her a cunt many times. So I could see the family hated her and they're trying to get her disinherited. While she's showing me texts from Fenton as the months progress, she's also showing me texts from her barristers. I didn't even know what a barrister was. A barrister is another word for an attorney who represents you in court. It's a term that's more common in the UK and in Ireland. Her barrister is working out her her share of the inheritance. and, And her barrister emails her one day and she shows me saying that, hey, if there's a clause in the inheritance that if if any heir is ever convicted of a felony, they would be disinherited. For Jonathan, this spelled trouble. Her family hated her, and they wouldn't think twice about framing her with a crime in order to cut her out of the family fortune. And it took me literally 30 seconds for it to register, and I warned her. You see, Mare worked for a luxury travel agency connected to her Irish family. Don't you worry they could set you up to make it look like you stole money or something and get you convicted of a felony so they can disinherit you. And this is what's brilliant about her scam. This is what's brilliant about her scam. It wasn't her idea. Exactly. She made me think it was my idea. Jonathan warned her that her family could frame her, but she told him not to worry. And she says, no, no, they would never do that. No, no, Jonathan, don't worry about that. They would never do that. A couple weeks later, I get a collect call. This is a call from the Central Regional Detention Facility from inmate Mayor Smith. She had been arrested. And she gets on the phone and she's crying. Oh my God, Jonathan, you were right. They, they set me up. They made it look like I stole $200,000 from the, from the travel company. I'm like, I told you. I told you this would happen. I told you. Because I knew it would happen because we're talking about 5 million euros, which at the time was close to $7 million. What wouldn't someone do to get $7 million? So I quickly um, find a bail bondsman and I bail her out of jail. And How much did that cost? $4,200. $4,200, I bail her out of jail and she pays me back the next day. And that's an essential move. Every con artist, every con, you always see a little of your money up front. You always get paid back. Every con artist lets you wet your beak. So you feel confident continuing. Because she paid me back, 
I immediately knew, oh, this is an honorable woman of her word. I, I loan her 4200 She pays me back the next day. She's good she's for it. This. Oh, absolutely. Of course she's good for it. She also has this huge inheritance coming, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah. And now she's a damsel in distress. And even though I'm a gay man, <laughs> I've spent my entire life rescuing damsels in distress. So I'm going to help this woman get her inheritance. I found out later. So she didn't actually pay me back the next day. The politician she was dating, i.e. scamming, paid me back the next day. So she that was not her money. She really was dating a politician who was an attorney? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see, I just assumed that was fake. He was a married politician, conservative Republican. Mayor was his mistress, and she ended up scamming him out of close to $100,000 with a similar scam. Jonathan says he's not going to name the politician because the politician doesn't want his name out there. And do you think he went to police? Nope. Do you think he wants to go to police? Nope. Do you think he threatened to sue me if I reveal his identity? Yup. <laughs> so no. she pays you back the $4,000, but it was really this other guy's money that she's having an affair with. He gave me the money, but I thought... He, I thought he was also her lawyer. So when he showed up with the, with the cash, I thought, oh, you as your lawyer are doing this payback because you're going to help her in this criminal case. I didn't know it was his money. The quick scam on him was, uh, he was under the impression Patridge Clark, which was her great uncle when Ireland was leaving a billion dollar trust. He was going to get a billion dollar trust to handle because whenever Mayor needed a roof for her estate in Ireland and her money was tied up in CDs, he'd give her $25,000. Whenever she needed $10,000 for this or $5,000 for that, he'd gladly give her his money because he thought the dangling carrot was this billion dollar trust that was coming his way because Patridge Clark was emailing him and Patridge Clark was texting him. He had no idea. Patridge Clark was a figment of Mayor Smith's imagination that she created online using Google phone numbers and email addresses. Little did Jonathan know that she was actually fired and charged with embezzling $200,000 from the travel agency and funneling thousands of dollars into her own personal PayPal account. But as far as Jonathan knew, she was just out of a job. So she decided to make a career change. I get a call from her one day. Hey, I'm working on a psychic hotline. I'm like, what? My name is Mir Anya, and I'm an empathic psychic. I've always had a gift since I was a little girl. It materialized throughout my childhood, and I didn't really understand what it was. I would always know things were happening before they happened, and everyone would laugh at me, so I stopped admitting that I knew these things were going to happen. She's like, I didn't want to tell people this, you know, because I get embarrassed, but I have the gift. It runs in my family. My, my sister is a psychic in Germany who helps police find missing children. My, my grandmother and great-grandmother were famous psychics of their time, and I have the gift. I have a client that um, felt her husband was cheating on her, and I did tell her that there was fantasies, realities in the past, and that this would reoccur if she didn't confront it and deal with it, and that's exactly what they did. So the cheating was admitted, and they're kind of trying to move forward now. At first, I don't know what to think. I'm like, I don't know a psychic, but maybe she's psychic. I don't know. During Jonathan's husband's birthday party, Mare started performing her psychic party tricks. And my husband's friend says to her, and what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a psychic. And the woman's like, oh, yeah, prove it. 
And without missing a beat, Mir looks her dead in the eye and says, you're having an affair with your husband and he's about to find out. And she's like, no, 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 no. She freaks out. She's like, no, no, I'm, I'm ending it. I'm ending it. I'm, I ended it yesterday. He's never, no, 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 no. So I was just stunned. Like, how could, how, how could she pull that specific bit of info out of thin air? How, how do you know a woman talking to you is cheating on her husband? And she didn't know this woman. I was just stunned. She's a psychic. And I really do believe she's a psychic. She can read people. She has a gift. And I watched as person after person was reduced to tears because of her reading. She told one woman, you have a boyfriend in LA and a boyfriend in New York, and you got to make a decision because you're going to lose them both. And this woman's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. She starts crying. I'm like, how, if she's not psychic, how does she know that? How does she know that about these complete strangers? Meanwhile, this whole time, the state of California is trying her in court for grand theft for embezzling money she stole from the travel agency. But remember, Jonathan doesn't know any of this. This is the point in the story where Mayor will separate Jonathan Walton from his money. Then one day, I come over to her place and she's, she's sobbing. She's convulsing. And I hug her and she's crying in my arms. And she tells me that her, her, her evil family has managed to pay off some dirty L.A. deputy D.A. to freeze her bank accounts. So she has no money. You know, she has hundreds of thousands in the bank that she can't access now because her bank accounts are frozen. So I start loaning her money. And I have no reason to believe she won't pay me back. She's an Irish heiress and millions of dollars are coming. She's already demonstrated that she paid me back before. Over the course of two months, I loaned her $15,000 cash. She says to me, listen, the DA said for the case to go away, it's going to be like $54,000 in court costs and, and it'll go away. As long as I pay all what they spent, it'll get dismissed and I'll get my inheritance. I didn't have $54,000 cash sitting in the bank, but I had an 840 credit rating. So I let her charge my credit cards $54,000 to pay this court fine. Everything's fine. She's happy. The bank accounts are going to be unfrozen in a couple of months and she'll pay me back. And then again, she comes to me crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, the judge in my case is angry at me. And I'm like, angry? Why? Well, she says, he thinks that for me to charge your credit cards to pay my, my court thing, that's money laundering. Like, well, he wants to punish me with a slap on the wrist. 30 days in jail to teach me a lesson to not do that again. It's not a felony. It's a slap on the wrist. I'm, as soon as I get out of jail, I'm going to get my inheritance and pay you back. I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and spend 30 days in jail. So she goes to jail for 30 days. While she's in jail, she calls me collect every day. On like the fourth or fifth day, I tell her, listen, I want to come see you. She's like, no, no, I don't want you to see me like this. You can't see me like this. But I insist. This is like my sister. So I'm not, I'm not waiting for permission. I'm going to go. I don't know if you ever visited anyone in jail. It's a horrendous experience. First thing you got to do, you got to log on to the jail's website. You got to click on the inmate you want to visit. And that's when her house of cards began blowing down. I clicked on her name. And clear as day, it said she was in there for felony grand theft. 
Doesn't that nullify her inheritance? Yes, that's the first thought. And you've heard the expression, lies are like rats. When you see one, it means there are a thousand others hiding. Is this the first of 10,000 lies I'm going to discover about this fucking woman? I, I went down to the courthouse. I pulled all the court records for that case. And as I'm sifting through the court records, my hands are trembling because I'm realizing every single thing she told me about that case was a lie. The, the $54,000 that she scammed from me was to pay a $40,000 guilty plea agreement where she pleads guilty to stealing 200 grand from Pacific Islands travel and works out a payment uh, schedule to pay back the rest of the money. Had she not been able to come up with that 40 grand, she would have gotten a five-year jail sentence. It was time to confront her. So I picked her up from jail, pretending like everything's fine. She has no idea anything's wrong. I have my poker face on, I'm pretending everything's fine. She's talking about how horrendous serving 30 days in jail was, and I'm like, you fucking bitch. I know you're fucking lying. Like, in my mind, that's that's the conversation. But my face, I'm smiling and agreeing. I'm, wow, you're really impressive. I was so angry. I was shaking with anger. I wanted to strangle her. I wanted to do so many things. And then Jonathan Walton flipped the script. I just said, listen, unpleasant stuff. Okay. You've been lying to us the whole time about everything. He recorded the whole thing. Your plea was 40000 not 54000 That's not true. Her eyes well with tears. I have not, Jonathan. That's not true. Like, yes, it is. That, that money you got from us was to pay your plea agreement. You pled guilty to stealing. No, that's not true. No one ever froze your bank accounts. No, that's not true, Jonathan. That's not true. No one waived your right to a jury trial. That was a lie. That last four grand you needed that came out of nowhere. That was a lie. You've been scamming us out of money this whole time. You have. Yeah, you're not gonna. You're okay. busted. Okay. So, from here on in, we're not friends. Okay. Um, I'm giving you 30 days to get your shit together. According to the promissory note you signed, okay. you're supposed to start making payments of $1,900 a month. Okay. So I only want to see you or hear from you when you have a payment for us. Okay. I'm like, Until it's over. I, I know the truth. I foolishly thought if I threatened to go to police, she'd pay me back. So I said, you're going to start paying us back $2,000 a month, blah, 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 until the debt's paid. Okay, I will. Okay, okay, okay. Jonathan told her that he and his husband lost everything. You lied to us to get money. We were your best friends. I, I thought we were the only victims. I didn't know. I had no idea. I'd go on to find 45 other victims all over the freaking world. At first, the police officer didn't want to take my police report. I hated his guts initially, but I came to love him because he gave me the greatest advice that really helped me and will help any con artist victim. And I started telling him I was scammed. And then he tells me, you know what? That's not a, a crime because you gave her the money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She lied to get the money. This is a scam. This is a crime. And then I start dumping all of the evidence I have. I took bank records. I wrote up an affidavit. I have email correspondences. I have printed out text messages. After I start dumping all this message on his desk and he tells me, here's what you got to do now. You have to call every day. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you have to call the police department every day and ask about your case. Ask when it's being assigned to a detective. He's like, every time you call, 
your case gets pulled out from the bottom of the pile and placed on the top. You know, there are hundreds and hundreds of cases coming in every day. You need to be the squeaky wheel. You need to call every day. I called every day. I called every day. He tells me, well, I don't think there's much we can do, but, you know, just don't give your money to strangers. Mayor Smith lived in a rat nest of deception. Her name wasn't even Mayor. It was Marianne. I wanted to fucking get her. I wanted her to pay for what she did. And I wanted to stop her from hurting other people. But as any good exterminator knows, if you're dealing with a rat infestation, you have to draw the rats out one at a time. I realized then and there, I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. I, I, had the, I had the picture of the guy she was dating. When we were friends, the last guy she was dating, she sent me a picture of them both. I know his name is Bob. I know he's an engineer in Newport Beach. And I know Mayor Smith is scamming him. Jonathan set up a blog exposing his former best friend, Marianne Smith. Did you yeah. ever find Bob? Oh, yeah. So, so people start trickling in, contacting me, and eventually... I get a call from Bob. Bob, the engineer in Newport Beach, calls me and he thanks me profusely. I can't thank you enough. You've saved my life. You saved my children. You saved me from her. Bob tells Jonathan that he met Marianne on Tinder and they started dating. Bob's a great guy. Bob told Mayor that he recently got divorced and was trying to get custody of his kids. Mayor told Bob that he was in luck because she is a 730 expert for the courts. Now, for those of you at home who don't know, a 730 expert is a, is a court-appointed child custody investigator. Mayor quickly figured out a way into Bob's life to help him with his custody. So as luck would have it, Bob took it as a sign from God that Mayor was now going to help him get a better custody arrangement with his kids. As they start dating, Mayor starts unpacking her Irish inheritance story, but it's a little different for Bob. She tells Bob she's got this 25 million euro trust coming to her. And just like in Jonathan's case, Mayor started getting mysterious text messages. This time, it was from an investigator she supposedly hired. The investigator texts Bob and claims that he found dirt on Bob's ex-wife. She was supposedly running a sex club out of her house. Bob didn't really believe it, but at the same time, this news will certainly help his child custody case, right? They kept dating for several more months, when one day, Mayor suddenly disappeared. Bob tried calling and she wouldn't answer. Bob called the following day. Still, no answer. And then the following week, there was still no sign of Mayor. And exactly 30 days later, Mayor reappears. Where was she this whole time? She was in jail. You know what she told him? Why she stopped responding to him all of a sudden? What, what's she that? Bob wondered why, he, why she ghosted him. When she, got, when she came out of jail, she texted him and called him and said, listen, my great uncle died in Ireland. And the Pope did the funeral. I took a vow of silence. Oh, a vow of silence. The funeral, the church, the Pope. Oh, okay. Couldn't, I couldn't text anyone for 30 days. And Bob believed it. It was time to cash in on Bob. Mayor's new scheme involved a twisted game of real-life monopoly. You see, Bob owned various properties, and she was going to claim them all for herself. It was a complex real estate scam, and Bob almost fell for it. The scam went a little like this. Mayor told Bob that she was going to buy a lavish house with her $25 million inheritance. 
they have this high-end realtor. They're looking at mansions. Mayor zeroes in on this $12 million Newport Beach mansion on the, on the beach. Beautiful. Beautiful. They look at it. Mayor says, I'm going to buy this one and I'm going to put your name on it. And Bob says, no, 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 no. I can't let you do that. It's not fair. If our relationship goes south, I'll own $6 million of your $12 million house. That's not right. She's like, listen, if you want to make it fair, then just add my name to the title of your two homes and, and, and it'll be fair. She had Bob bring his kids to the house and they picked out their bedrooms. So this was happening. And that's when Bob's ex-wife started getting curious. Who is this woman around my kids all of a sudden? Bob's ex-wife Googled Mayor Smith and discovered Jonathan Walton's blog. She immediately got Bob on the phone and said, you have to look at this. Bob went and, and, and met his ex-wife and she gave him the printed copies of the blog. And he was stunned. He brought it home to her. He showed it to her. She said nothing. Had he have added her name to the title of his homes, they would be half her homes. He would have to spend years in court trying to prove that he was scammed. He would have to pay her to get full ownership of the homes. Mayor Smith overplayed her hand. Bob agreed to testify against her at trial. Bob, Bob agreed to tell his story. Bob agreed to go public. And because of that, that that's what helped put her away. You saw me say the truth, the Here's Bob testifying in court. And at some point, did the Irish inheritance that she mentioned importance in your interaction with her? I was. She was using that money to purchase a home. Going back to the conversation after you confronted Mayor with uh, the accusation that she wasn't being forthright financially, how did she? How exactly did she respond? All she said was, "If you believe that." Um, bunch of lies, and that's on you. Something to that effect when you walk through the door. People started contacting me from my blog, saying, you know, with stories of how Mayor scammed them. I started discovering all these other victims. Each time I discover a new victim, I call up the cop on my case and say, hey, here's a new victim, here's a new victim, here's a new victim. I am badgering the fuck out of him because I need him to know I'm not going away. Eleven months into Jonathan's investigation, Marianne Smith was arrested and charged with grand theft. And she gets out of jail the next day. Let me tell you how she got there. So, right before her, her, her next court appearance, guess what she does? She pulls what's called a 5150. That's what police call it. She takes an Uber to a mental hospital in LA and she says she's gonna kill herself. She just took a bunch of pills, she's gonna kill herself. She doesn't wanna live. So they admit her. They admit her and she gets out of going to a bunch of court appearances because they think she's gonna kill herself. Brilliant. Mayor draws a get-out-of-jail-free card and is admitted to a psychiatric hospital, but this stalling tactic only worked for so long. So they arrest her in the mental hospital, and they bring her to court, and we are there. All of a sudden, she shows up on crutches. When Marion Smith showed up at Ellie's criminal courthouse today, she was sporting a pair of crutches. Rob Hayes, reporter for ABC Eyewitness News in LA, shoves a camera in her face and says, What happened to your foot? But Jonathan Walton says, save your sympathy. We knew she was going to pull something today, but to show up in crutches? She just looked off into space. She said nothing. 
again, in the same way when Bob confronted her, she said nothing. Whenever you confront this woman, she's got nothing to say. She said nothing. She looked guilty as hell. But Mayor Smith had more tricks up her sleeve. So one month before trial, I get a lawyer's advertisement in the mail. Hey, do you need help defending yourself from this restraining order, from this violent restraining order this Marianne Smith filed against you? I'm like, what? She filed a restraining order against me, claiming I was threatening her life. Jonathan immediately hired a civil attorney. I was stunned. And the attorney explained to him, If a judge you know, grants this restraining order, you would be prevented from testifying against her at trial. And again, the heat came over me. I'm like, oh my God, this is her checkmate move. So I'm not going to be allowed in the courtroom for the trial? Like, how, what? Like, insane. And the lawyer said, we can fight it. How believable is she? I'm like, how believable is she? She's very fucking believable. She scammed all these people, lawyers and doctors and engineers and politicians, like, and me. Like, she's very fucking believable. So the lawyer, and I love this guy, the lawyer says, well, listen, each time I appear, it's going to cost you $1,500. And this could be like 10 appearances to, to get this thing thrown out of court. Or since you haven't been served yet, the way civil cases work, unless you're served a lawsuit or served a restraining order, it doesn't exist. So you, you had a small window there. So he said, just don't get served. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, don't answer the door. He's like, do you have a back door? When you hear knocking on the door, don't answer the door. So sure enough, she tries to serve me the restraining order. This is actual audio of Jonathan being served the restraining order. Bang, 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 bang. We know not to enter the door. They try to serve that thing a dozen times at 5 a.m., at, at noon, at 9 p.m., at midnight. Bang, bang, bang. We didn't get served, and the clock ran out on her, and the trial started before she could serve. That must have been, we laugh about it now, but that must have been very scary for you and your husband to have like oh, no. loud knocks on your door all the time. We were terrified. Terrified because, yeah, the banging on the door is scary. But also what it means is if she succeeds and I'm not allowed to testify at the criminal trial against her so she can get away. Four of Marianne Smith's victims testified against her at trial. It was me. It was Bob, the engineer. Heather, the, the, the woman who she pretended to be a psychologist and gave her life coaching. We didn't talk about Heather, but that's a whole other story where Mayor claimed to be a life coach. But instead of helping her find true love, Mayor cashed in $10,000 for her services. And her own freaking daughter agreed to fly out from Tennessee to Los Angeles to testify against her mother. This daughter had grown up witnessing her mother scam dozens of people. This daughter tried to report her mother to authorities multiple times, but nobody believed her. This daughter had her own identity stolen by her mother to lease an apartment in Los Angeles. When Marianne was evicted, her daughter was on the hook for paying $12,000 in unpaid rent. This is Marianne Smith's daughter testifying in court. As you sit here today, do you have, do you have strong feelings about your mother one way or the other? Yes. And what are those feelings? 
I think that she's a very troubled person who has used her intelligence malevolently. And the things that she has been accused of, I'm absolutely disgusted by. It sounds to me that there is a great deal of animosity between you and your mother. Is that correct? Yes, she was abusive, so I would say there is animosity. The daughter wanted her to go to jail. I wanted her to go to jail. Bob wanted her to go to jail. Heather wanted her to go to jail. So that was our motivation. And Marianne Smith did actually go to jail. The jury deliberated for three hours, and when they came back, they found Marianne Smith guilty with one count of grand theft, and the judge sentenced her to five years in county jail. She's in jail right now, but here's the twist. In addition to a bunch of other victims calling me, guess who else called me after finding my website? Ring, ring. One day I get a call from Northern Ireland. A police detective in Northern Ireland called me. He found my blog. He says, I've been looking for Marianne Smith for 10 years. It turns out that Marianne Smith did, in fact, live in Northern Ireland for a few years. She started an online relationship while she was in Tennessee with a guy in Northern Ireland, a postal worker named Stephen Smith. So she went to visit Stephen Smith in Northern Ireland in around 2000. And during her time in Northern Ireland, she was up to no good. She worked at a mortgage company. She scammed 26 people out of $500,000 through various investment scams. And in 2009, she disappeared with a down payment of six people's homes. And uh, the police detective had no idea where she went. And he's been looking for her ever since. They're going to extradite her. As soon as she's out of jail in L.A., they're flying her to Northern Ireland to face charges of scamming 26 people over there. I've heard from two of the victims in Northern Ireland. They called me. They are devastated. They haven't gotten over what she did. And they are relishing the day she's released from jail in L.A. so they can get justice in Northern Ireland. Hopefully she spends the rest of her freaking life in jail because she got a five-year sentence for scamming me, that was one charge. But there are 26 victims in Northern Ireland who are pressing charges. How much money did you end up losing? I lost over $91,000. And I filed for bankruptcy. That, that's that got to be devastating. And, and it'll take years to recover from that. Dude, I can't even qualify to buy a sofa on credit. Yeah, it's going to take 10 years. I still can't qualify to buy anything on credit. Everything's cash or through my, my debit card. One thing we didn't talk about was her appearance. She had multiple appearances. Oh, yes. And I found this out. Other victims would send me um, pictures, uh, how they knew her. You look at that panel of pictures on my website. One, one woman doesn't even look like the next. She was a blonde in Northern Ireland. She was a brunette in Tennessee. She, she had short black hair when she got to LA and then got hair extensions. And she also had, in the time I knew her, she had four plastic surgery procedures. So people ask me, well, how does she spend all that money? She has a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. She had a nose job, she had a boob job, she had tons of lipo. You really need to check out the pictures that Jonathan has collected of the various different Marianne Smiths. It's hard to believe that it's the same person. 
I'll link to his blog in my show notes. There are hundreds and hundreds of Marianne Smiths all over the country operating in the light of day. And this is what I tell people, and this is my message for your listeners, is publicity kills con artists in the same way that a wooden stake kills a vampire. Publicity stops them in their tracks. And that's how you stop them. So if you're a victim of a con artist and you're worried about going public, the reward is a chance to stop them from hurting other people. You're not really killing them with publicity. You're just slowing them down. Well, you're killing their ability to con people. If she ever, for whatever reason, if she doesn't get extradited to Ireland and she gets to walk out, she's going to start a new alias, which has no background, and she's going to do it all over again. For sure. But, you know, the more and more you expose her, the less and less it will happen. Do you ever have moments where you kind of try to sympathize with her? Uh, not, Not in a way that, that dismisses everything she's done, but like, why does she do this? Is this like some sort of compulsion that she can't control? I do. I do have moments, especially when she got shackled in court and she's been in jail. And I have moments where I think of her as a human being and I feel sorry for her. But then I'm reminded she doesn't deserve that. She's a sociopath. Sociopaths don't have empathy. Sociopaths don't believe in a right or wrong. She got a, She told our landlord she had cancer. She got out of paying rent in our building for five months because they believed she was in chemo in the hospital get, getting cancer treatments. Jonathan says that Marion Smith has an iron deficiency. He says she would sometimes deprive herself of iron so she could get admitted into the hospital. And then she would have a nurse take a picture and then she'd send that picture around to people. She used this cancer scam a lot. She told all of her friends and neighbors she had cancer, but don't tell anybody because I'm ashamed. I don't want anyone to know, but I need money for treatments. So she raised tens of thousands of dollars for cancer treatments for cancer she didn't have. And since starting his blog, Jonathan discovered other scams too, like the time she used to blackmail older men out of money. She has a profile on a website called sugardaddyforme.com. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. I'm, I am scared to type this in. She would engage in relationships with mostly married men, right? They would pay her a monthly fee for sex, right? $500 or $1,000, they didn't have sex. And then when the men tried to end the arrangement, she threatened to blackmail them with exposing them to their wives. And they'd pay her off a couple of grand, five grand here, six grand, you know. She blackmailed married men. This next scam really gets me because it's one thing to scam a stranger out of money, but it's another thing to use your child for money. She had another daughter in Michigan, a baby that was taken from her by the courts, and because she was declared an unfit mother, a sole custody was awarded to this father. So this daughter ended up dying of cystic fibrosis. Mayor never raised her. She was never in Mayor's life. But Mayor used, Mayor started a GoFundMe page and raised more than $16,000 in the name of her daughter, or her daughter's cystic fibrosis. So Mayor used the death of a daughter she didn't even raise. She had this GoFundMe campaign, a bunch of people donated. It was all a scam. None of the money went to cystic fibrosis. It all went to Mar- Marianne Smith. This has to do a number on the way you trust people, your relationships. I mean, I don't trust anyone anymore. And I background check everyone. 
and I'm suspicious of everyone and everything. So if there's a new friend in my life, yes, I'm background checking them. And if they have felonies for fraud and grand theft, I'm not going to befriend them. Jonathan Walton is a reality TV show producer. His current project can be seen on Disney+. Plus. It's called A Dog's Life. It's really cute. You should check it out. He also plans to produce a documentary about his encounter with Marianne Smith. For updates, visit jonathanwalton.com. It's jonathan with an H, walton.com. I'll have a link in the show notes. I want to thank all my Patreon supporters because you guys are the ones that really make this show happen. Without you, honestly, I don't know how I could afford to keep the show going. So I wanted to give you a little treat. I'm starting a new Patreon-only series on historical con artists. This week, I have Rebecca Sebastian from the Yellow Tape True Crime Trivia Show and the podcast Dialogue. And we're going to talk about a man who sold the Brooklyn Bridge to someone, not just once, over and over again. Amazing. I mean, like, for effort, George. (laughs) Yeah, George didn't stop at the Brooklyn Bridge. He also sold the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Statue of Liberty, and Grant's tomb. Again, I mean, very compelling pieces of... New York real estate, the the Met, that I would be really interested in. <laughs> I would buy, yeah. You won't believe this story. So go to pretendradio.org and click the donate button so you can listen to these new exclusive Patreon-only episodes. And if you can't support Patreon, another way you could support the show is to simply spread the word on social media. So find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and recommend the show to your followers. And I will pick somebody at random and send them a brand new pretend hoodie. These things are so comfortable. So tag the show on social media and you could have your very own pretend hoodie. (laughs) It's a real hoodie. It just has the words pretend on it. All right, guys, take care. Creative Babble.